Good morning. Uh, as Alex said, it is, it is Christmas here at Asante Church. We're kicking it off. We are um, getting festive today. Our ladies actually kicked off the season for us yesterday with their Christmas cookie exchange party. And so um, I heard some great things about it and I tasted some great food from it. And so thank you ladies for participating in that and baking delicious cookies. Um, hey, we are, uh, we are getting into Christmas season. Um, I would guess that there are quite a few of you in here who have been in full Christmas swing for quite a while now, okay? And so I want to take a quick poll. So raise your hand if you are all in on Christmas music right now. If Wow, okay. All right, I'm a Grinch. Okay, um, <laughs> raise your hand if the interior of your home is decorated. You got sparkling lights around. You are just loving it. You don't even have to turn lights on in the morning. You just walk out and you can read everything. All right, what about the exterior? Who has lights on their house? All right, I see a few men who risk their life to make their wife happy. That's what it means to be a man of the Lord. Um, hey, uh, question, who um, had those decorations, interior, exterior, before Thanksgiving? Now we know. Look around, church. Hey, we're going to pray for uh, some gratitude in your life. Um, we're going to pray that you would thank the Lord for the blessings that he has given you and not just skip over that meaningful holiday next year. Um, maybe that's my own wishes for you. Hey, um, Christmas is upon us. Well, I, I got one more question, actually. Uh, who's watched at least any Christmas movie yet? Okay, more than five. More than ten. Wow. It's not just my wife. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um, hey, Christmas is here. Christmas is upon us. Um, Christmas really, uh, it's unlike any other holiday. It's unlike any other time of the year. It just completely takes over the world, right? Like we are, are just turned upside down by the Christmas season. Um, it takes over calendars. It takes over our television sets and commercials. It takes over stores and just the city and our culture is just uh, transformed into the Christmas season. Um, our schedules are affected by it. Our thoughts, I'm sure, are taken over by Christmas and what needs to get done. Um, our bank accounts are oftentimes taken over by this season. And uh, and through all of that and through all of what goes on in this Christmas season, there is this overwhelming, overwhelming sense of anticipation and excitement, right? As, as we are getting closer and closer to Christmas, we keep getting more excited about the things that Christmas will bring. We anticipate the opening of gifts on Christmas morning. Right? Maybe you anticipate other people opening gifts and you want to see their reaction, see your children's excitement. Maybe um, you are anticipating and excited about the fact that you get to come together with your family. Your family is going to be together. Maybe you have traditions that you practice every year. You have um, memories that you know are going to be made at this holiday. Um, or maybe you're just excited to get a few days off from work. Um, a few weeks off from school if you are a student, um, but there is an anticipation in this most wonderful, magical time of the year, isn't there? We, uh, and in this anticipation, 
And this season, as we are um, anticipating what is to come with family, with gifts, with um, just everything that comes with the holiday, the food, uh, we are going to be celebrating Advent. So we are starting our Advent series today. And uh, really, what is Advent? Advent, the word means uh, the coming, the arrival, right? And so if we are in a season of Advent, we are awaiting and we are preparing ourselves for whatever is coming. So as Christians, why do we celebrate this Advent holiday? Maybe you have heard of this. Maybe you know what Advent is. And maybe you're like, I don't even know what this word is. Well, as Christians, we celebrate Advent for two reasons. One, because we look back to the original Advent. We look back to the original coming of Christ where baby Jesus was born in the manger, right? You know the Christmas story that, that God stepped in form as Jesus, that Jesus was born in a manger as a baby. There was no room for him at the inn, but there's really more to that. You see that in that arrival uh, Jesus is God with us, that Israel, the nation of Israel, was awaiting their Savior. Israel were slaves. They were exiles. And they had the promises that God was going to send a Messiah. He was going to send a Savior who would redeem and restore them as a nation. And so in Jesus, he fulfills those promises. He fulfills those prophecies that were said about him. So we celebrate the original Advent, the original coming, but we also are a people who are awaiting another Advent, the second coming of Christ, right? We as Christians, we kind of live in this awkward time in this tension between the already but the not yet, right? Jesus has already come. He has already died. He has already risen from the grave. He has already done all the work needed for our salvation, but we're not quite right, are we? We still live in sin. We still live in this broken world. Things are not as they should be. And so we long for the day where we will one day be with God face to face, where we will be united with Christ, where we will be united with the Father. And so how do we live in this weird kind of tension that we are in? Right? We live in the, this has already happened Right? We look back and we remember what Jesus has done, the promises that he has given us. But we also are awaiting the day where we will be with God face to face, where we will be um, not in this broken world full of sin, full of disease, full of evil. Right? And so as we look at Advent, we remember and we await, and how do we live in this in-between period? So today we are going to look at hope. We're going to look at hope as Christians. Hope is one of those words um, that means something completely different in our everyday English versus the way it's used in the Bible. Okay, so in everyday speech, the word hope is used very freely, very openly to mean a lot of different things, right? It's kind of just this like feeling that we throw out there. I hope that I can get this promotion. I hope that a train doesn't come as I'm leaving the neighborhood today because traffic on 163rd is already bad enough. <laughs> I hope that my family gets along at the holidays. I hope that I receive this gift. I hope that I can find some rest, whatever it is, right? We throw this word hope out as kind of this just ethereal feeling, right? It's a substitute for the word wish, right? 
I wish that this would happen. I hope that this would happen. I desire that this would happen. But when we look at Scripture, when we look at the word hope in the Bible, we see that it really is much more of a concrete um, idea. It's not just this thing that you throw out there and you, good luck, right? But it's really more concrete. In the Bible, we can really look at hope as a confident expectation, right? It is a confident expectation that something's going to happen. It means that we have assurance of something, that we can uh, be sure that this thing is going to happen. We can have an expectation. We can have assurance. We can have a confident trust and belief that something is going to happen. In Hebrews chapter 6, it says that um, hope is an anchor for our soul. It is an anchor for our soul. It's where we drop anchor. It's the place where our expectations are put, right? And we have a confident expectation because it's not this just blind wish that we throw out there. But our hope is placed in the promises of God. Our hope, Christian, is placed in the person and the work of Jesus. Okay, so when we use the word hope, we are not just throwing it out there, Hope I get a good return. It is we are placing our expectations. We are placing the anchor of our soul in God. Okay, and so um, our first point today is this, that Jesus alone can hold the weight of our hope. Jesus is the only one that can hold up the weight of your hope. He is the only one who can withstand the anchor of your soul put on him. Anything or anyone else is going to let you down. Why? Because our hope is heavy. Right? What do I mean by that? Our hope, think about all the things that are made up of your soul, that are made up of your hope, your expectations, your fulfillment, your satisfaction, your joy, your happiness, right? All the things that really make up your soul, the deepest parts of you, and the expectations that you hope to receive in those areas, right? That's a lot of pressure, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of important things that make us up as humans. And Jesus is the only one who has the strength to hold all of that in his hands. Not Christmas, right? The Christmas season, it might be great. You might love it. We have a lot of people who are really excited about Christmas this morning. That's what I could tell with a lot of hands that went up. But Christmas is full of empty promises, Christmas is full of promises that this thing, this thing will make you happy. This thing will bring you satisfaction. This thing will bring you joy. And I think what we see when we look at Christmas really is that that is not true. That there is a magic of this season that creates these expectations that inevitably are just going to let us down. Right? There's pro we look at commercials. We look at Christmas movies. And my wife loves watching some Hallmark Christmas movies. And I can't stand them. <laughs> I cannot stand them because it gives this idea that everything's going to be okay and magical in the end. And then they stop the movie and they don't show you the first fight that that couple has. <laughs> they don't show you the years of marriage that they have. Right? These Christmas movies don't show you that the day after Christmas people start to get really grumpy and hangry. And they have this sugar coma that they go into. And relationships are a lot harder than you think they are. And that is what comes in Christmas, right? 
right? Parents, maybe you know this, that the excitement of gifts on December 25th become a burden of boxes on December 26th. You get so frustrated. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. There are so many boxes, and I have no idea what to do with them all. And now our city has said, hey, that recycling bin that was always used for trash, now it has to be recycling, so you only have one for each. It, it's frustrating, right? And then maybe you had expectations of your family get together, and maybe it didn't go as planned. Maybe people got a little irritable and upset, and now December 26th, you're upset because you thought it was going to be this glorious, wonderful, magical thing, and it didn't go is planned, and maybe by the time that you go back to work or student, the time that you go back to school, Christmas is long gone in your mind, and you are looking forward to that next break that you can get. That there's all these promises and expectations, and we love it, but then ultimately we are let down by it. And what I'm not saying, I'm not saying boycott Christmas. I know it probably sounds like I am. I'm just saying don't put your hope in it. Don't put the hope of your life, don't believe that you are going to find fulfillment and joy in the things of this holiday. Because that can only be found in Jesus. And the enemy wants to trick us. The enemy wants us to believe that we can find our satisfaction, fulfillment, joy, happiness anywhere other than the person of Jesus. Right? If he can distract us to not pursue Jesus with our lives and with our hope, then he wins. And that is his goal. So church, I'm going to ask you, where is your hope? Where do you tend to place your hope? I, I hope that it's not in this Christmas season, especially if it has little to do with Jesus. But we really find out where our hope is being placed whenever things don't go as planned. Whenever the world throws us a curveball and we expected this to happen, but this isn't happening, and so now where do you turn? Do you rely on yourself to fix the situation? Do you rely on yourself to provide whatever is needed? Do you rely on yourself to save yourself? Or do you turn to another person? Do you look for your hope and do you put it in seeking the approval or the acceptance of somebody else? Right? Have, you, have you put that on another person? Maybe that's your spouse or your children. Maybe that's in your parents or, or just your friends. Because what, what I know to be true is that when we um, put our hope in a person, that person was never meant to withstand the weight of our hopes and our dreams and our happiness. That person is not God and was never meant to be God. So not only are you going to be let down, but you're also going to drag that other person down with you who never was meant to be that for you. And so, where is it that we have placed our hope? Our hope, our assurance in our lives must be placed in the person of Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. Our scripture for today, yeah, we're just getting to scripture, is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 22. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at why is it that we can place our hope in Jesus and we can be confident that we're not going to be let down. All right, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. 
Therefore, brothers, since we have the confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, so that's kind of one uh, really long compound sentence. Um, and there's a lot of theological details in there. So I'm going to try to break it down. Um, because Jesus has saved us, because Jesus has saved us with his blood and with his flesh, that we have been made new. Right? We are no longer the people that we used to be. We have been sprinkled clean of our evil conscience. We have been washed with pure water. That we are not the same people that we used to be because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. And he is our advocate Right? Jesus is our advocate between us and God so that we can be in right standing before God and that we can go to him just as we are. That's the gospel, church. The gospel is that Jesus, and through his sacrifice, has made us new. And so now, because of that, we can stand before God without guilt, without shame, without condemnation because of what Jesus has done for us. And so, if that's the truth, we can hold fast to that truth. We can anchor our souls to Jesus because he has redeemed us, he has restored us, and he has reconciled us to the Father. This is the truth that we hold fast to. This is the place where we drop anchor. This is the place where we say, that's the truth that I believe. Nothing's going to change that, and that is going to be my foundation for my life. That's where I'm going to place my hope, and that Jesus has redeemed me and given me hope because he has redeemed me to the Father. He has reconciled me to a Father. This reassures us on days when things are not going as planned in our life. When day-to-day life does not look how we thought it would, we can look forward and know that one day I will be face-to-face with the Father. That one day I will be in heaven without tear, without pain, without any sort of disappointment, that I will be with God, I have eternal life because of what Jesus has done for me. That's good news. And guess what? Nothing that you are going through today or you have gone through yesterday or you will go through tomorrow will change that fact. Nothing that this life throws at you, no amount of disappointment that you experience in this lifetime will take away the fact that Jesus has saved you. Jesus is not changing his mind. He's not going back on those promises. Nobody can take away your salvation from you. That's the truth, and that's what we hold fast to. Not only do we struggle today, we can look forward and we can say, hey, you know what? One day, he's going to make all this better. Not only can we look forward, but we can also, in this moment, in everyday life, we can go to God We are invited to approach God's throne each and every day. We have access to the Father. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes that's hard to believe. There are days where it does not feel like I can actually go to the Father with my issues. There are days where I feel like he's probably pretty disappointed in me. 
There are days where I feel like, you know what, I've messed up one too many times. I don't really, maybe you don't get all this church stuff. Maybe you feel too broken. Maybe you are undeserving. I don't know what it is for you. But I have days where I feel like I can't go to God with my issues. There are days where I realize that I'm too prideful and I choose to put my hope in the things of this world or I put my hope in myself to figure out my struggles. And all these things that I keep going through over and over again, I keep trying to fix on my own instead of going to God with my issues. And maybe, maybe this is just me, but maybe you can relate. Maybe there are days where you feel like God's probably just a little disappointed in you. So maybe I'll wait till tomorrow where I feel like I've got it together a little bit more and then I'll go to God. The promise is that we can go to God without fear, without shame, without blemish or spot or any sin because Jesus has already made the way. Verse 23 talks about this. He gives us some reassurance. Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast to this confession of our hope for what? He who promised is faithful. God is faithful. We can have full confidence. We can have full assurance of this truth that one day we will be with the Father, that this day we can go to the Father without shame or without guilt, and He will not reject us. Why? Because of our faithfulness. No. Because of His faithfulness. Because He is good. Because He is true. Because He is faithful. Our hope is based on God's faithfulness, not our own. Amen. Our hope, our anchor of our soul is placed in God, not because we are good at keeping the commandments of God, not because we are good at playing church, not because we are good at being Christian, but because God is faithful and we are not. So we can't put our faith and our hope and our trust in us, but we put it in the one who is only faithful, who is only true. His promises are true every single time. This can be hard for us to believe maybe because we know ourselves and maybe because we have relationships with others who break their promises. Even if they had good intentions, they didn't uphold their end of the bargain, right? And so when our life isn't going how we thought it would go, when things are tough, when we are struggling, it's very easy for us to look around and say, where are you, God? Where are you at? Because I'm going through this right now and you're not changing the situation. So God, where are you, but here's the truth. He promises us that he will not leave us or forsake us, that you will not be abandoned, that he cares for you as his child. And so when the world is crashing down, when it feels like we just can't figure our lives out, that everything is going the wrong way, what do we do? Well, we turn to God what do we do when our world is turning upside down, but it's actually our fault that it's all falling apart? We still turn to God because he is faithful even when we are not. And you won't be met with judgment. You won't be met with those eyebrows of scorn and anger that we so often put on God's face for him. 
You'll be met with grace. You will be met with a God who loves you, who, desire, who delights in you and desires to have a relationship with you. We will met, be met with hope. Right? We hold fast to the hope of the gospel because in Jesus we have unwavering trust that nothing will change our right standing with the Father, that we have been made new. So this, whenever I uh, think about this, whenever I think about unwavering hope, whenever I think about somebody who is just firmly planted and trusting in the Lord no matter what this world brings, I think of the Apostle Paul, right? Paul, who was Saul, who was a Jewish leader, and he met Jesus and his whole life was turned around by the gospel and the truth that Jesus had died for him, that Jesus had redeemed him, right? And so it was no longer all the things that Paul could do for himself, but it now was all about Jesus and what he had done. And Paul lived one of the most difficult lives that you could ever imagine. I hope that nobody here even comes close to the amount of suffering that Paul endured in his life, right? Paul was beaten. Paul was thrown in prison multiple times. Uh, Paul, like, he just, terrible shipwreck, like, lost on an island, bit by a snake, like, all, like, all these crazy things happened to Paul. And what does he say about his suffering? What does he, he say about his struggles in this life? He says, I count it all joy, my brothers. And Paul's a psycho, <laughs> right? Like, if somebody tells you that they count it all as joy, you'll be like, you are a, a you know, masochist or something. Like, you just love pain. You just love... Sh- but why? Why is it? It's because Paul, when he was suffering, he was joining in the suffering of Jesus and that Jesus had suffered for our behalf. And so now Paul, when he was struggling, he was like, you know what? To live is Christ, but to die is gain. Take my life. I don't care. What do you do to a guy who's like, you know what? If I die, I get to be with Jesus, so it's okay. And if I'm living, whatever I'm going through, it's for Jesus, so it's all okay. Right? Paul was thrown in prison after being beaten one day, and he's sitting there in prison, and Scripture tells us it's about midnight. And at about midnight, it's getting dark, he's in prison, and he's sitting there. His circumstances haven't changed. There was nothing about his situation that looked good or hopeful. And what does Paul do? Paul sings praises to God. And then we hear in that story that the prison doors like fly open, but here's the deal, that's not the point of the story. The point is that in Paul's situations, in his struggles, even when things weren't looking great, he still relied on God. He was unwavering. His feet were planted firmly in the gospel, and that was his hope. That was his trust, not in the things of this life, right? So when you get hit from this way with a wave of this life, you can stand firm because the gospel is what holds me up, not anything else. And when you get hit this way with the wave of this life, you can stand firm because the gospel is what holds me up and nothing else. My hope is securely in the hands of Jesus because he is the only thing that can hold my hope. And so, just like Paul, we have assurance of ourselves today and tomorrow because of what Jesus has done yesterday. That's why at this time at Advent, we focus on Jesus being born. We focus on the birth of Jesus because in the birth of Jesus, we see the promises of God take on life, right? We see the promises that God had made to Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years come to fruition and take on life in the embodiment of that baby in a manger, 
Right? Israel was promised that there would be a Messiah who would come down to the very details of where he would be born, which is Bethlehem, and that he would be born to a virgin mother. That happened. Promises fulfilled. We see that the promises of God is that God would never leave or forsake his people, as it says in Deuteronomy. And what do we see in Jesus? We see the embodiment of God stepping towards his people and not turning his back on his people. We see that Jesus coming as a baby is God coming to us. That is the God that we serve. In Jesus, he stepped forward towards his people and not away from him. And in Jesus, we see that there is a promise that God would save his people. And that baby born in a manger would grow up to live a perfect life. He would die a gruesome sinner's death that was deserved for you. It was deserved for you. And it was deserved for me. And he died that death to pay the penalty for our sin. And he rose from the grave, proving victory over sin and death in the enemy. God is true to his promises. God is true to his promises, and we see that when we look back to the baby born in a manger. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to forsake you. So we put our hope in that God has done in the past. And what he has done through Jesus, we can look back and say, you know what? That gives me confidence. So now I can stand firm that he's going to answer his promises in the future. That is why we celebrate Advent. That is our hope in this season, is that our hope would be placed in the gospel. That whatever this next few weeks brings for you and your family, our prayer is that you have an unwavering hope in Jesus. That whenever that present that you got your kid runs out of batteries come January 1st and it never gets played with again, you don't get angry because you spent your hard-earned money on it. But your foundation, your hope is still in Jesus. Whenever things don't go as planned with your family, because they probably won't, that's okay, because our hope is in Jesus alone. So how are we to be the church? How are we to display the kingdom as we leave here today? Well, our first thing is that each one of us needs to evaluate where we put our hope. Where has your hope been placed in this life? Have you trusted too much in yourself? Have you trusted in much, too much in your own ability to be your savior? Have you trusted in your ability to control what you cannot control, which only leads to more anxiety and stress and anger? Have you trusted in another person? Have you put your hope in a relationship and another person who can never be your God, and that's what you're asking them to do. Where have you dropped anchor? Where have you trusted that something is going to fulfill you that is not in Jesus? That's the first thing. The second thing is we hold fast to the truth of the gospel. We hold on tight. We cling tight even when this world tosses us back and forth. We hold on for dear life that Jesus has saved us. 
that we have eternal life and we will one day be united with the Father and our hope is in that. And that alone, we hold on to those promises. Um, I think a good point here, I, I realize I probably should have made this point number three, but it's just going to be a tag on to point number two. Um, for us to know the promises of God, for us to know what the gospel is, we have to read our Bible, so make sure you read your Bible. You can't hold on to the promises of God if you don't know what the promises of God are. And if you listen to this world, you're going to be holding on to some pretty um, thin, tight promises. All right. Number three, encourage one another. Um, the scripture that we read today, the next two verses, I'm going to read them right here. I don't have them on the screen, but it says in verse 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir one another up toward love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We were never meant to live this life on our own. We were meant to be part of community. We were meant to have other people come alongside us and encourage us in this truth. When the world is heavy, when you feel like it's weighing down on you, you need a friend. You need somebody to come alongside you and remind you of the truth of the gospel, remind you that God is faithful even in your storm. We need that truth. So I'm going to ask you to come alongside somebody else. Help carry that burden. Help remind them that God is faithful and we can hold on to his promises. Then maybe the favor will be returned to you at some point. Let's pray.